Welcome you all, my father's children. Thankful for all the youth that are going downstairs and the youth directors that are helping them. We have a big room down there. It's a lot of youth, but we got a lot of room. So that, that's good to have. We're glad to have that. And we're so welcome to glad to welcome you all here today. You are family, whether you know it or not, whether it's your first time, your second time, or your third time. I'm from the South, and, and Chanel knows from the South, everybody's family. You come over one time, and we feed you. We say have some, and you are officially family. You can go change your birth certificate to our last name. You're a family. So if you're in this place today, you are family, and how beautiful does the family of God look? Amen? Amen. Amen. We like to welcome everybody that's watching online. We have some online family that's watching some that are under the weather. I wish you could be here, but why don't you give them a hand clap to let them know how much we love them. If you could, we're just going to stand one more time for the reading of the word of our Lord. Not too much standing and sitting unless you want, but you're going to stand. If you have um, your electronic devices, you're welcome to use those. Um, and I'm not going to be long because I'm pretty sure there are a bunch of kids downstairs, a ton of kids that can't wait to get to the bouncy house. My daughter couldn't take her eyes off of it as they begin to blow it up this morning. They just stared at it, just waiting. And I could see her looking like that. It don't preach too long. Don't preach too long. We're not, <laughs> but it is the Lord's day. We're glad to see you. A word from the Lord from the book of Luke chapter 24. And, uh, if this is your first time, we like to read in concert. If you don't like to read in concert, you don't have to. Uh, but if, you, if you're comfortable with it, we welcome you along with us. Ready and let's read. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in white clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words. I want to go back to one verse because this is where we're going to hang our hat today. Verse five, I'll read it. If you can read it with me as you want, but it said in their fright, the women bowed down their, with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? I want to talk to you for just a moment from this subject because he lives because he lives. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that everything that goes forth will do what you set it out to do. Uh, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Hallelujah. This is a wonderful day. You don't know how happy I am to hear the crying of children and children bustling and playing. Uh, children, children are a blessing to us and, and, and things like that. I love that. Give the kids a hand. I love to fill the church up. Sometimes uh, I've had three three young children myself, and sometimes when when we have kids, we sometimes we don't want to come to church because we think they'll cause a ruckus. That's what we want. We want ruckus because ruckus means life. So bring them on anyway. Bring them every Sunday as you, if you can. We welcome them here. We have many things to do, and it's we have quite a bit of year left. So we're going to be doing quite a bit of of things for the youth. And guess what? Our youth are our future. And if we don't instill this into them now. 
This is the most important time to do it. But not to belong uh, the day, I want to hone in on this text. This text is the central tenet of our faith. Yes, we love Christmas. Christmas is wonderful. We like the cards. We like all the things and the trees and the trappings. And we love the fact that Jesus was born. And we, we, we love that. But the problem is, if he was born and he had not died, we would still be in the same shape. <laughs> but we are here today on one of the most important days in the Christian calendar because Jesus hung on a cross for our sins. Not only did he hang on a cross because many people hung on a cross in the year that Jesus was born right around that time. There was a general, a Roman general by the name of Vespasian. Vespasian was good for crucifying people. He crucified 2,000 people up and down the streets of Jerusalem to put down a rebellion to say don't mess with Rome. People have been crucified day in and day out but what makes this special is that when they took him off of the cross most people that you put in the grave they generally tend to stay in the grave but when Jesus got in the grave he didn't stay there but he is risen he has risen indeed why is that important? Because it tells us that he is not just a man. Yes, Jesus came incarnate as a man, but at the same time that it lets us know that in our faith, we believe that Jesus is God. Jesus is the son of God, that God so loved the world that he forgave his only begotten son, that who would ever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But I want you to go with me now. I want you to take a trip with me back about two millennia. As we go back into this scene, because we look at it as a joyous scene, but we see people that are not so joyous. Why are they not so joyous? Because they have spent three years of their life forsaking everything they knew to follow this Jewish rabbi. They have watched him heal the sick. They watched him raise the dead. They watched him walk on water. They watched him pick somebody else up who he allowed to walk on water. They watched him do many miraculous things. And I don't know about you, but if my leader was like that, I would feel like I could conquer the world. They have just gone three days before triumphantly into the city while people wave, wave palm leaves. That's what last Sunday was about and say, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. They have been on cloud nine and all of a sudden within the section of a few short minutes, their world has been turned upside down. To put it in perspective of the day, it's the same as if you had a spouse or a child that you love and you kissed them on the forehead, sending them off, expecting to see them that evening. And you get a knock on the door by the state trooper that you weren't expecting to see. All of a sudden, that person that you love is gone. In their mind, they're not coming back anymore. These people not only got the knock on the door, but some of them actually witnessed it. They watched their powerful king who walked on the water and who healed the sick and opened blinded eye. They watched him embarrassed on an old rugged cross. They watched him strung out with no clothes and beaten and bloody, unrecognizable. And while they're doing this, they can't get the thought of it out of their head. They, when they go to sleep and they close their eye, they can see him bleeding on their cross. When they close 
close their eyes and they can see, they can hear the jeers and the mocking and the voices saying, if you're God like you say you're God, why don't you come down off of that cross since you're so big and bad? And they also remember him looking down on people who are spitting on him and are mocking him and him looking up to heaven and saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They remember the compassion that Jesus has and the love and concern that Jesus has for family as he stops actively dying on the cross to look over to his friend John and say, woman, behold thy son and son, behold thy mother. In other words, John, make sure you take care of my mother. She's in your hands, letting us know that family is important to God. They watched him bleed in agony as he looked up to heaven and said my God my God why have thou forsaken me they looked at him as he quoted the psalm that I'm in extreme pain and he's taking on the sin of the world not for himself for he was the spotless lamb of God the Bible said but he that knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God he who had never done anything wrong became sin and took the death that we should have taken. I don't know if you know it, but that cross was not meant for Jesus. That cross was meant for me. That cross was meant for you, but Jesus loved us so much that he said, I'll take their place. I hear the word of the Lord saying, prepare me a body, send me and I'll go. Jesus made the choice to die for us. Jesus made the choice to come and give his life for us. He said, no man takes my life, but I lay it down. Uh, the Bible said that in Hebrews 9 and 22, that without the blood, there is no remission of sin. Jesus put up a sacrificial system. God had placed it there. And why did he place it there? Because he wanted you to know the heinous heinousness and the horror of sin and how serious sin was. He put up a sacrificial system to sacrifice animals that they could only get atonement for a year. But on that day when Jesus died, he tore the veil from the top to the bottom because he's saying that Jesus is dying for sin once and for all and that all that who believe on Jesus and will deny themselves and follow Jesus, he will give them everlasting life. Oftentimes, we think that all we have to do is believe and say a prayer, and that's all we have to do. But when I was little, there was a little hymn they used to sing, and it has a lot of truth packed in that hymn. It says, must Jesus bear this cross alone and all this world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone, and there's a cross for me. We couldn't bear the cross that Jesus bare, but Jesus said, I'm going to bear this one, but I've got one for you. Prove it, Pastor. Yeah, go to Luke 9, verse 23, and Jesus tells his disciples that any man that will come after me must first deny himself. Pick up his cross and follow me daily. Christianity is not a promise that all your days are going to be great and everything will be rosy. But it is a religion of denial. It is a religion that said, Lord, I'm submitted to you. I deny my way. I deny my likes. Lord, I like my bed on Sunday morning. But I'm sure you liked your bed and you had to lay on a cold bed of a tomb. And because you did it, I'm going to get out of the bed and I'm going to give you glory and I'm going to give you some praise and I'm going to give you some honor because you died for me the least I can do is live for you because you died for me the least I can do is serve you 
These people are in shock. They have, have experienced extreme trauma because they have watched their Lord executed in the most brutal way possible. And as they've gone to, the, gone to bed, I'd imagine none of them could go to sleep. Why could they not go to sleep? Because they've, every time they close their eyes, they can hear the nail. Every time they close their eye, they can hear the screams. Every time they hear the, close their eye, they can see all of the agony. Every time they close their eye, they can see a Roman centurion take a spear and jab it right between Jesus' ribs to touch through his periocardium. Why is he doing that? Because they want to pierce his heart. And the Bible says that it looked like blood and water. You know why? Because Jesus was in such a bad state that he had, his heart had literally burst. If you look it up, it's a medical condition. He was under so much stress that his heart had literally burst when he said, in your hands, I commit my spirit and you see blood and water coming out of his side. You know what that means? That Jesus died of a broken heart. His heart was broken because he looked down through millennia and he saw children that would deny him. He saw people that he created that he loved. And he was broken in his heart because he realized that if he didn't do this, they wouldn't have a way to be reconciled with him. And he decided to give up his life. And he said, God, I've done everything you've given me to do, Father. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. And all night long, they have been worrying all day Saturday and Friday. They have been worrying. Why are they worrying? Because they can't get the mental picture out of their mind. And their world has been turned in a second upside down. But when we find them in this text this morning, they realize that because Jesus had to be taken off of the cross before the high holy Sabbath, that they didn't have enough time to prepare his body. Jesus has about 100 pounds of linen, 60 to 100 pounds of linen on his body, but, but his body needs to be prepared. <coughs> and they're taking special spices. They're taking special things to the grave. Can you imagine going through life and you just watch the person you love so much horribly beaten and executed, but you still have to go and do what you have to do? I want to talk to somebody this morning that's had to hold it together while you were falling apart. Have you ever been in that situation where life is just beating you upside and down the head and you say, Lord, I don't have the strength to go on. I really don't want to go on, but my kids need me, but my family needs me. And you still have to get up and go on, go on ahead. Jesus knows what it's like. The disciples and these women know what it's like for life to be tough. They know what it's like for your world to be falling apart, but you still have to keep it together. Mothers know how that is because sometimes mothers worry over their children and sometimes mothers realize I don't have enough resources for my children and they got to smile at their children and hold it together not knowing where the next meal is coming from they got to smile father and hold it together when he doesn't know how he's going to prepare for his family they were trying to hold it together while they were falling apart no, they're not much different than we are. But when we get to the tomb, we see that they get more than they expected. In an instant, their whole world is changed because what they came to see, they did not see. They came to put spices on a body. But when they get there, the bodies that they see are not the bodies they expect. <laughs> For they see two angels sitting there. <laughs> and they ask them a, a very important question. <laughs> 
They asked him the question, why seek ye the living among the dead? That question rings for us today. 2,000 years later, you know why? Because many people follow after spirituality. They like a spiritual experience. They want to experience life. But the things in which they're trying to pull life from are dead. And they're spiritually dead. They look for love and relationships. They, look, they seek it in power and status and money and how, how well life goes for them. They look at it and how many likes and how many retweets they get and how many followers they get. That's where they get their self-worth from. But I come to tell you that none of that stuff can quicken your spirit and bring it back to life. I'm going to ask you a question that the angels asked them today. Why seek ye the living among the dead? For those that do not know Jesus and the pardon of their sin, spiritually, they are dead. And we keep going to people who are broken to try to help make us whole. And the angels are asking us a question that is still pertinent today. Why do you keep seeking the living among the dead? Why do you keep seeking purpose in relationships after bad relationships and they never work out? Why do you keep seeking purpose in the things that will make you happy? But all the time you realize that they keep waning because stuff and things cannot make you happy. The only thing that gives you truth joy and wholeness is Jesus. Why seek you the living among the dead? But I've come to tell you that he is risen and he is risen indeed and just like they found joy in an empty tomb, you can find joy in an empty tomb because the, the tomb is empty. My life is full of joy. That doesn't mean my life is minus trouble. That doesn't mean my life is minus stress. That doesn't mean my life is not minus some things that I would rather they be minus of. But what it means is that when Jesus enters my heart, he gives me the ability to bear things that other people could not bear. And those people went back and they changed their tune in an instant. Why did they change it? Because he lived. And just like these women, there are some today who are struggling with life. You have all sorts of issues that you face. Some of you are facing fear. Some of you are bringing sadness to the tomb. Some of you are bringing stress and anxiety. Many of you are bringing the guilt of their past. I submit to you today, there are some people that wanted to show up in church, but they didn't show up in church because they were guilty and they didn't feel like they were good enough to be in church. I tell you what, none of us are good enough to be in church. That's why we're in church. Jesus died none of us are perfect there's not one righteous no not one none of us are spotless we are only spotless because David said though my sins be as scarlet your blood makes it white as snow if you're listening to me in this room or you're listening to me online you don't have to be perfect to come to Jesus but bring everything you have to Jesus and lay it at his feet But you don't know the mistakes I made. But he did. Romans 5 and 8 says, And now God demonstrated his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know what that means? He knew about the lie you were going to tell, and he died anyway. He knew about the stuff that you were going to do, and he died for you anyway. What does that mean? He doesn't care about those things. He cares about you. And if you would deny those things and follow him, his love will bring you into himself. 
Don't let guilt and condemnation keep you away from the church. Don't let guilt and condemnation take you away from, from God. For I hear the word saying, with loving kindness have I drawn you. The church is a place of love. The church is a place of forgiveness. The church is a place where you who have seemed to be a misfit can really realize that you actually fit in. There is room at the cross for you. Some are still dealing with the newness of bad news and bad situations, but I've got news for you because he has risen. Your life and your outlook on life can change in an instant. How can you rejoice when you have trials in your life? I got this, this, this topic for this sermon from one of my favorite songs that they used to sing every year. It was made by Bill and Gloria Gaither. And the reason that they made the song is because they were going through a lot of things during that time. And it was the time when people and Frederick Nietzsche and other people were putting out things like God is dead. And they looked at the world, how bad the world had become and the drug problem had gotten high. And the problem was not that. The problem was that she was pregnant and they were about to bring a new child into a lost world and she was feeling hopeless and then on the middle of their hopelessness they had some other family struggles but when she realized about the cross she sat down and she began to write because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know who holds the future and my life is worth the living just because he lives those are my three short points, and I'm going to let you go. Number one, because he lives. Somebody say, I can face tomorrow. <coughs> Somebody say it again. I can face tomorrow. I know when you leave here, you, you're in a euphoric to, uh, atmosphere right now and everybody loves Jesus. But when you leave, your bills will be waiting on you. When you leave, your bad relationships may be waiting on you. Tomorrow is coming. And you might say, it seems good now. But what happens when I leave, when my situation doesn't change? Sometimes Christ doesn't change your situation on the outside. He changes your situation on the inside so that you can be able to bear what's going on on the outside. The resurrection of Christ brings us hope into a dark world. I don't know if you know it, but two of Jesus's brothers wrote books of the Bible. This is important for me to know why it proves Jesus has was risen. You know why any of you have that have siblings? No, most of us won't say anything good about our siblings. But these two who didn't follow Jesus before he died, as a matter of fact, you, the Bible records them telling them, Jesus, come on out here. He's crazy. He's telling people he's the son of God and all this stuff. Jesus, come on out. You lost your mind that after Jesus had risen and they had really seen proof of the resurrection, that not only did they follow Jesus, but James became the head of the Jerusalem council, that they begin to be higher up in Jesus's church, that they follow Jesus and nobody follows somebody for a lie. Nobody gives up their life. All of those disciples. And not only that, but the Bible says that it wasn't just a few people. You can hide it if it was a few people. But the Bible records in, in the Bible when it was written, some of the pages of the Bible, not long after Jesus had died, was written and it said, and there were still 500 witnesses. There were more than 500 people who saw Jesus risen again. Somebody said, well, he was just in a stupor. He, he, was, just, he was just unconscious. That's great. You try being crucified, beaten all night long, and just 
just happened to be in a stupor, taken off of a cross and laying there three days in a traumatic state at the point of death and still waking up, getting up, taking the nails out of your hand and somehow finding the strength to move the stone away. No, that's not what happened. Jesus rose from the dead. He is risen and he is risen indeed. Uh, Jesus is looking out among people. He's blessing them and he gets ready to leave. And he says, all power I give to you. He says this, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. These people saw Jesus. They gave their life because this is not a fairy tale. This is real. This really happened. Jesus really raised from the dead. Not only do we know that, they said the disciples stole his body. So you mean to tell me that the most powerful force in the known world, which was Rome, had Roman soldiers sitting at the tomb of Jesus and 12 untrained men went in there and took them out. No. no. Jesus rose. He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead with all power in his hands. And because he has, not only can I face tomorrow, all fear is gone. We never have to fear death anymore. Some of us are scared of death. You know what? I'm not in a hurry to die because I have little kids. But guess what? I want to be here for my kids, but I'm not scared of death anymore. You know why? Because Jesus rose. I realize death is not the end for the believer. It is only the beginning. I don't fear death and I can walk in faith and I cannot have to worry about, about fear. First John 4, 17 through 19, we're almost finished. Says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, oh Jesus, <coughs> so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. The Bible says, John says, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So what they are literally saying is there is no fear in God. Well, prove it. The Bible interprets itself. It says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us the spirit of power and love and sound mind. I've come to tell you today that all of us have different experiences in this room, but because he lives, you can face tomorrow. You don't have to have fear because even when you lose, you win. What did you say? I said, I, I, I said that because I know Jesus, even when I lose, I win. Somebody shot that. Even when I lose, I win. You know why? <laughs> because the Bible says, all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. It may look like you're winning, but one day God is going to justify me and lift me up. That day at the tomb, it looked like death had won. It looked like the devil had won. It looked like Jesus was lost. It looked like Judas had won. It looked like Pilate had won. But all Sunday morning, even when they thought they had won, he rose with all power in his hand. Even when you lose, you win. When you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. And this is my last point and we're getting ready to go. My future, everybody say my future is secure. 
If you know Jesus today, if you believe that he died, if you believe that he rose and you are willing to abandon your life and to pick up his life, it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been or even if it was last night or on the way to the church when you did it. This is what First Peter says. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. If they have it, let's read it together. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. The inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Your parents might not have a million dollars. My parents didn't. You may never be rich on this earth, but I tell you one thing spiritually, there is an inheritance waiting for you if you will accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Philippians 1 and 6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until the completion, until the day of Christ Jesus, that God finishes everything that he starts. Well, Pastor, I came to Jesus when I was little, but, but now my relationship with him isn't that good. I've come to tell you that's okay. Start back today because Jesus finishes what he starts and you need to finish what you start. Bring your life back to Jesus. Come to Jesus while there is still time. Last thing, not only because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Not only because he lives, all fear is gone. Not only because he lives, my future is secure. But somebody's asking the question, but what if I'm unsure? What if I've lived in such a way I don't really know if Jesus would save somebody like me? What if I've turned my back and been unfaithful to him? What if I've tried everything and anything I was big enough and bad enough to do? What if I decided that I like pleasure more than I did serving God? What if I filled up the baseball stadiums and the football stadiums and made every excuse not to come to church? What if I wasn't faithful to him? What if my priorities were in the wrong place? Could God love somebody like me? He says, yes. For Romans 10 and 9 says this, that if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus is not a maybe. He says, thou shall be saved. I want to introduce to you Jesus. Jesus is a real person and he's a real God. He lives. And if you don't know him today, today is a mighty fine time to know him. I don't care about your past because he doesn't care about your past. He only cares about your future. And if you give your life to him, he will take you into a place that you've never been before. How do I know? Because he told Paul to pin these words in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. And it says this, he says, let's read it together. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Don't leave this place with guilt and condemnation. Your past doesn't matter to God. Everyone means everyone. You're everyone. If you haven't given God your life, everyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. Call on the Lord while he may be found. Come to him and he will answer you. Today, I'm going to leave this altar open for just a minute as they play all my hope is in Jesus in just a minute. And if you know you haven't been living like you need to be living, 
you can give your life to God. If you're embarrassed to come to this altar, that's okay. Lift your hand where you are. God can hear your prayer from your seat. Is there anybody else? I see some people raising their hands. Does anybody else need to, need to give Jesus their life? You can give Jesus your life today. Or rededicate your life. That's what today is all about. It's about a new day and newness. It's about spring. One of the parts, I, I didn't tell you about the story that I like. One of the reasons that prompted her to write Because He Lives is because they remember looking at an old concrete block, an old concrete street. And all the way through that concrete street, although it was covered and paved, somehow a little, a little blade of grass had found a way to make its way through. That even when we make man-made structures, God still has all power to bring new life. He can bring it to you today. If you want to be saved, prayer team, come on up. If you need somebody to pray with you, we have some people that will pray with you. If you like to pray by yourself, you're welcome. If you're a private person and you need prayer after this service, come to me, come to Robin, come to one of these people and say, I want to be saved. If you want to be a part of this church, you're welcome to do so. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. Lord, I thank you that you have given us your word and given us your life. I thank you for your blood. And Lord, I thank you most of all because Joseph's tomb is empty. It was only borrowed. I thank you, Jesus, that you have given all of us a new chance and new life. And Lord, I pray, Lord God, that if somebody is feeling condemnation, that that condemnation will cease right now. And they'll only feel the love of God, accepting them in as they give their hearts to Jesus and abandon their ways that they will confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is raising from the dead. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, if you don't know Jesus, I'm going to have you repeat after me. There is nothing in this incantation. This is not how it works, but I'm just going to lead you through a little bit of prayer. If everybody will say it with me. But the key is you got to believe it. You just can't say it. You got to believe it. Somebody say, Lord, I confess that I am a sinner. Lord, I confess that I have fallen short. But Lord, I'm thankful that you are mighty to save. I believe you sent your son to die. I believe that he rose again. And today I commit my life to you. Save me. If you believe that right now, guess what? You're in the family of God. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. His brother Dave come. All my sins are forgiven.